You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Hey, friends, before we get into today's episode, I wanted to tell you about my friends down at the 10th Ward Barbershop in downtown Pittsburgh, proudly serving the historic 10th Ward in Lawrenceville and the surrounding areas. 10th Ward Barbershop is a full-service barbershop offering quality haircuts, beard trims, and hot shaves. I can attest to this personally. I went down there to see my buddy Kane today. He shaped me up oh so nicely, gave me a laser beam part in the top of my head. I look fantastic, and he didn't take a ton of time to. He is literally the best that I've ever gone to. Trust me when I tell you that. But you also don't have to take my word for it as much as I want you to. WWE superstars like Bray Wyatt and Corey Graves have all stopped in to see Kane at his barbershop, and they will tell you the exact same thing. Now, right now, as much as they like having walk-ins, uh, during COVID time, they're only accepting appointments. So the best way for you to get in to see Kane or any of the other fantastic staff at their shop is to go right onto their website at 10thwardbarbershop.com and sign up for an appointment. That's 10th10thwardbarbershop.com. You can find them down here in downtown Pittsburgh. Stop in and see Kane and tell them that Goober sent you. Hey, Foundation Radio, Dr. Ruth here saying I will not be joining the Snyder Cut discussion because I enjoy my life and like myself enough to not put myself through that. Four hours, just but that just did not seem like a great use of my time. So have fun, guys. Hope you can feel like you'll ever get those four hours back or eight hours in Jeff's case. What were you thinking? You watched it twice and I am still baffled. Yep. Not even the great Gail Simone, for some reason, saying she enjoyed this movie could make it spark my interest. So rather than derail the conversation as someone who genuinely doesn't care, I will leave you with this message of hope Wonder Woman was really cool and kick some butt and send me those clips. All right, guys, have a good talk. Today we're discussing Zack Snyder's uh, Justice League. And um, for those who are listening, there's going to be plenty, plenty of spoilers. So if you don't want to hear any of those, just jump back in the archive and pick a different episode. Welcome back to Foundation Radio. My name is Adam Bernard. I am here today with the illustrious, beautiful, bearded man known as Greg Mead. Oh, hey. And I'm also Hi. here with the extra delicious Batman Snuggy Man, Mr. Jeff Quinn. What's up, everybody? And we're joined today by special guest extraordinaire. He is the man who picks up heavy things and puts them down on a day-to-day basis. My personal trainer and everyone's first personal favorite personal trainer on the show, Mr. Brad Feinberg. How are you, sir? Doing well. How about you? Oh, you know, another exciting day in Pittsburgh here. We're here today to talk about the Snyder Cut. Four hours and two minutes of, I don't even know what. Uh, So, (laughs) Is that because you didn't get a chance to watch it because of your children? (laughs) I didn't get a chance to watch the whole thing. That's fair. Uh, That's okay. Just leave. It's got things to do. I'm going to moderate the show today. I'm going to moderate the show today. And I'm going to kind of lead us into the conversation. First, I feel like it has been so long (laughs) since I've seen you all. I feel like it's been so long since I've seen you all. How are you? How is everyone doing? I'm still alive, so that remains to be seen. That's a good thing. That's always a good thing to still be alive. I mean, I can give you updates. I got my first shot yesterday. My first there you COVID go. Congratulations. shot. Congratulations. Congratulations. Friday. It's great. Yep. Went down to the convention center. My arm was killing me today. Uh, so I'm all <laughs> hopped up on acetaminophen and uh, ibuprofen. But other than that, feeling pretty good. Uh, work sucked. So I've Always. got myself a beer. Also, uh, it is not what I'm drinking currently. But this show, Foundation Radio, is unofficially brought to you by Hams. Hams Beer. It is the affordable way to have a good time. Hams, please sponsor our show. <laughs> Brad, For the love are, of God, please. I just want to have awesome. How that's are you, awesome. Brad? What's going on out there in Las Vegas today, man? Uh, I'm doing really well. Life is phenomenal these days. And I also got my first shot last week. 
Um, That's so awesome. I'm very man. excited about that. But it was funny because when they gave me the shot, the needle actually got stuck in my arm. Like I'm not, I'm not even kidding. And she leans just, over like, to make, me. Don't she make a muscle when you get a shot. She's like, I'm so sorry. Like people are normally a lot fatter than you. <laughs> she's literally like the needle just like jammed in my sh- i didn't know whether to be like upset or proud of myself so i'm I'm, yeah. calling bullshit. I'm calling bullshit on that one this is one of those instances where in order for you to get a shot you have to like hold a piece of kryptonite and yeah. like the, krypton- the kryptonite just started to wear off like in batman versus superman and then she's like trying to jab you and it's just like bending the needle that's how that's i'm imagining cool. this situation i was actually just gonna say that i could see the needle actually just like bending in half inside of your arm because i think you're just like solid steel now at this point right like there's actually no the muscle has just become steel structure is that yeah, is that an accurate I'm, assessment i'm trying I'm, I'm about halfway there so that's good man that's good at least you have the <laughs> goals for 2021 are way better than anything we did in 2020 that's for sure i'm loving las- it we're we're joined by las vegas's own kryptonian yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got a lot to get into here today so we're just going to jump into it uh the justice league Zack snyder's justice league the long-awaited uh i guess i don't know if you want to call it reboot or recut was finally released last week um so far uh opinions have been mixed so we're going to talk about the opinions today we're going to talk a little bit more about what this means for the dc universe as well but first we want to get into a little bit of backstory about how this came about um during the production of the original justice league cut Zack snyder left the film due to some personal reasons and the remainder of uh was it shooting or just full producing was taken over by joss whedon jeff you're a little bit more knowledgeable on this what uh kind of walk me through this all right. So to give you the background of the information, the principal photography for Justice League had been wrapped. Um, it was in post-production predominantly. They would have had to go through reshoots. Uh, they did get a look at most of the footage and the this is where the story kind of really evolves and is interesting because the studio deemed the movie, quote, unwatchable. Wow. The, the original footage. So. They were already a little bit unhappy with Zack Snyder. Unfortunately, there was a family tragedy uh, with the uh, passing, the unfortunate suicide of Autumn Snyder, which, again, absolutely terrible. The fact that he had to leave the film due to this reason is absolutely tragic. Uh, They had hired Joss Whedon to come on. They had a bunch of reshoots, uh, predominantly, which we'll talk about later, is most of what we saw with the theatrical release was the reshoots of the justice league if you will right uh one of the most one of the most famous newsworthy uh parts was mustache gate that henry cavill was not allowed to shave his mustache so they had to cg it out and i think it had like an additional like 100 million dollars which is like really expensive for uh reshoot Mm -hmm. uh a bunch of people were pissed off justice league was a financial failure technically. And there was this big movement for releasing the Snyder cut, that there must be this additional cut, this mythical idea that this was not Zack Snyder's movie. This was not his vision to pressure the studio into releasing the Snyder cut. Uh, Since 2017, there have been, you know, online campaigns change. A freaking plane flies by San Diego comic con trending. Release the Snyder. Let me give a little bit of context here as far as the movie as well. I know you brought it up. The original Justice League was released in theaters on November 17th, 2017. Uh, Critics were really, really harsh on this movie. The movie grossed $657.9 million against a budget that was $300 million. Uh, So it appeared to be about break even. Um, But Warner Brothers did lose about $60 million on the film. Uh, there were a lot of issues, uh, that went into the production as well. From what I understand, there are a lot of things that have been coming out now, uh, from Ray Fisher and Gail Godot regarding Josh Whedon's, uh, behavior on set. We don't necessarily really need to jump into that. That information is out there if you want to see it, but there were a ton of issues behind the scenes, uh, as the movie, uh, started to kind of flesh out. And as Jeff mentioned, uh, an entire, um, social media campaign took place, uh, with the hashtag release the Snyder cut. Uh, That came about and everything kind of came into play. Um, I guess we can just start maybe from the top and give me a brief synopsis of how you felt after the film. Why don't we start with Brad? Brad, what were your uh, what were your takeaways compared to the original cut of the movie? I felt relieved. Um, It was like (laughs) it was like, you know, Christmas morning and you're expecting that gift. Yeah. 
and you get that gift, but another gift that's just as good. For me, that was my experience. Um, I thought it was what it's the movie should have been. Um, and looking at like the character developments, like some of the characters were so much more developed and um, uh, introduced in so much a better way than the previous film. So my overall experience, I just, I was, I was blown away by it. It was truly amazing in my eyes. Greg, what about you? Uh, I like what Brad said, the character development, because in uh, the theatrical release, it was kind of just, here's a movie with Batman and Wonder Woman. Superman's at the end. Here's these two other guys. Okay, the end. That's it. Bye. Right, right. And this is like, no, no, no. You get backstory. You, You get to learn about these people. And I'm really happy that they put all of this into one movie and not six different fucking movies. Because, I mean, Cyborg deserves Mm -hmm. to be fleshed out. He deserves that. So does The Flash. Um, But we don't need to go into the, well, you know, here's Cyborg and here's his inner turmoil. It's like, no, no, no. It's just, here it is. That's what it is. Let's get on with the story. Right. Let's continue the narrative. That's just what it needs to be. Yeah. A lot of the other superhero movies, not going to go into listing all of them. Right. But a lot of them could have just been, here it is. Well, you follow the tracks. Okay, here we go. You fall into yeah. traps where they just start shoving information into your face that you don't right. need because they're trying to so, flesh out a particular character. Right. So this four hour unwatchable cut, I'm very relieved, like Brad said, that everybody and Zack Snyder is validated against the production studio of just them saying it's unwatchable. Really? Is it? Because so many more people just watched this in like three days. than <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. The Justice League theatrical release. Very true. Really? Is it unwatchable? OK, thanks. Jeff, what about you? Uh, OK, so. I mean, <laughs> I've been waiting for this one. Here we go. Attention. I have, I have, I have been waiting for this. So I am not a Snyder faithful. I am not a fan of what Zack Snyder has really handled with the DC universe. I think that he butchered Superman. Doesn't have a fundamental understanding of Batman. I get what he's trying to do. He makes really good visuals. Visually, it is a very impressive movie, especially considering that they had a seventy million dollar budget to go ahead and post-production and create special effects for this movie, it looks good. However, there are very clear instances where I'm like, they could have used a lot more money. This looks like a cheap video game. That being said, I didn't really necessarily mind the four-hour runtime. I I sat through it twice. That is commitment. It has its problems. However, it has significantly less problems than the Justice League, the theatrical cut. But I also enjoyed the theatrical cut because at the end of the day, it's not a good movie, but it's entertaining. Like, it's like Batman and Robin. It's a terrible movie, but at no point when I'm watching it, am I not entertained? Right. The Justice League, the you know, the Zack Snyder's Justice League was interesting. It has some terrible dialogue. There's a lot of issues that it has as a movie, and it does feel like a slog fest at certain parts. That being said, just because it's better than crap does not necessarily mean that it's great. Like it's it's serviceable. It's still shit. Now, it's still shit at the end of the day, right? I'm not I'm not saying it's shit. It's it's okay. But I'm a huge DC fan. And I need more than okay for the Justice League. Well, right. So you're talking about you're comparing a lot of this to the the abysmal, dreadful, just dystopian nightmare that was Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice. If I never have to watch that movie again, if I don't even if I have to if I could say that I I could have that movie erased from my brain, you know, that movie Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. (laughs) If I had to erase something from my brain, it would be that fucking movie. That movie was dreadful. How did it for you, Jeff? I know you've been very vocal about this. How did it stack up compared to something as atrocious as Batman versus Superman? This new four hour cut. All right. Well, also, for the record, I rewatched all of the DC movies. Oh, my God, dude. Uh, So so I because I wanted to come into this with the most well-balanced look at this. And it it is a much better movie than Batman versus Superman. But I think Justice League is the movie that Zack Snyder wanted to make from the get go. Right. I think that he had a lot more heart. He had a lot more intention with it. I think that Chris Terrio was not the best choice for a lot of the storytelling and the dialogue at some parts are just absolutely God awful. <laughs> I, I still I still hold that Aquaman has some of the worst dialogue in 
any <laughs> of the superhero moves. Let's do this. All right. Hey, you know you're least, a little crazy, right? Like Matt, at least the, at least they took out the one line that Superman had about do you bleed with Batman in that fight? Oh yeah. my god, that was least I least that bleeding. <laughs> so, well, that's the thing. Like <laughs> one of my god. biggest issues with the theatrical cut is that Joss Whedon has a fundamental dis uh, you know, you know, he has a fundamental disagreement with being able to understand who Batman is. Batman doesn't mm-hmm. quip. Batman isn't funny. Uh, at least, especially not for this universe. Like Batman right. quips and yeah. is funny for the fifties and like the 1960s Batman. Adam West, yeah. Adam West yep. Batman. Right. But this is not the Batman that was created. This is more the Frank Miller Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, yeah, that yep. was, that was the Batman that this was based off of. So I'm not yep. looking for him to be hilarious or, you know, a comic relief. I'm looking to him to be that like really dark, uh, angry, just fuck the world Batman, you know, like at the end of his rope kind of thing, like this is it. I don't, you know, like that's the kind of Batman I'm looking for. I don't even want, I don't even want the Nolan version of Batman. I want, I want that dark Knight returns heavy hitting shit. That's what I want. The Nolan version of Batman still had ties to society. This Batman lives. He's a recluse. He doesn't actually care about Gotham. He really doesn't. He just cares about defeating the evil or whatever it is. He's not tied to Gotham whatsoever. So you know what? If they burn themselves, they burn themselves. But as long as aliens don't do it, it's good, I guess. Second to Jeff, I feel like the uh, the Bruce Wayne academia of the group. Uh, second to you, Jeff, would be Brad Feinberg uh, in this department. How did you feel, Brad, about uh, the portrayals of the villains in this movie, uh, specifically Darkseid? I'm, I'm curious to get your take on how they how you felt they stacked up to uh, the classical comic book uh, interpretation. Well, I, you know, the one thing with, I mean, it was amazing to see Darkseid when he was fighting the old gods, like that was uh, fighting the Amazonians and the Atlanteans, like that was really cool to see. Um, But at the same time, you only got a very small taste of who Darkseid was. And in all honesty, when Darkseid got like his ass kicked, I was, it was like, he got his ass kicked and it was like, you know, it was like the Darkseid that I know it's like. He, he doesn't get his ass kicked. So, I mean, it, it was, was it cool to see him on the big screen? Absolutely. Um, but I was expecting more from him because he's this all powerful world destroyer. And, you know, it's, you know, he, he got his ass handed he, to him. Jeffrey. Yes. Okay, Jeffrey. Uh, I'm, I'm really glad that you brought up dark side in this. Okay. So I, there are like three things that made me really happy with this movie because one, I fucking love Jack Kirby and the new gods. Dark side is one of the coolest characters that DC has ever done. He predates Thanos. Mm-hmm. So Thanos can suck a dick. He's a ripoff of a dark side. <laughs> you got bubbles on your chin, man. Wow, he actually looks, he actually kind of looks like Thanos kind of looks like dark side in this photo that yeah. I'm looking from uh, infinity yes. crisis, secret files. Number one, he kind of looks like fucking Thanos. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, Jim Jim Starlin ripped off of Jack Kirby. That's just the way of it. I like what they did in order to try to bring about the anti-life equation and that Mm -hmm. entire search and that mentality, that quest for Darkseid, because you have to have a failure. You have to have a failure in Darkseid's past for this to be significant. Uh, Seeing Desaad and Steppenwolf, those characters kind of brought to life was really interesting. I thought Steppenwolf was a much more much, well-balanced yeah. uh, villain at that point. But the thing that got me like super fucking excited is just a small cameo of like at the very end of the movie, the boom tube opens up, you see dark side, you see decide and granny fucking goodness. is just yeah. hanging out doing nothing. It was the best fucking part of the movie. And I'm just <laughs> like this at, at that point, it's like the DC like deep cuts nerd in me is like, Fuck, I should have been this excited over KG Beast and Batman versus Superman, but they fucked that up. All you got to do is show me Granny Goodness just hanging out next to Darkseid. I'm like, you know what? I really <laughs> do want to see this movie now. Yeah. Greg, what did you think, man? What did you think about the villains in this movie? The villains, I think, uh, like I said in my initial response, um, here's the bad guy in the first movie. This one, there's like, you understand why Steppenwolf is here. You yeah, understand why right. he's trying to get these mother boxes. It's because he's been banished and it's not just he's here as Darkseid's like emissary. He's here trying to redeem himself. So he has some extra stake in the success of this campaign and conquest. It's not just 
I'm here to kill you. It's I'm here to redeem myself. I'm going to destroy you, which right. is also kind of I'm just thinking now uh, sort of where Zod was coming from. He's trying to just like push his culture and not really just fall into oblivion. Foundation Radio is brought to you today by The Dugout. The Dugout specializes in one-of-a-kind vintage and distressed clothing at an affordable price. One of my favorite t-shirts in my entourage right now is a Dudley Boys distressed vintage t-shirt from the late 90s and the, the greatest time in wrestling and the greatest tag team of all time. I now own one of their shirts. Also, I have this really rad Prince and the Revolution t-shirt from Purple Rain. All of the distressing work that they do is done by hand, so you know you're getting a quality product at an affordable price. And the great news is is that domestic shipping is always free within the United States. And right now, if you go onto their Etsy shop and use promo code FOUNDATION, you'll get 15% off of your entire purchase. That's right, 15% off your entire purchase. So you get an even better deal on an already affordable piece of amazing clothing. So go ahead and give them a follow right now at The Dugout Brand on Instagram, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. And don't forget, if you go to their Etsy shop right now and use promo code FOUNDATION at checkout, you'll get 15% off of your entire purchase. The Dugout, customized and vintage apparel. Well, here's, here's another question right now. Little, here's another. Here's another question I have. I, I'm, I'm I know actually, Jeff. I'm staring at you too. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm giving you the I'm, it. I'm giving you the stink was, eye for that one. I was thinking it for a second, and now I'm just like, mm, you're dumb. Well, Greg, let me let me talking. go back to this because because Greg or because Brad said something uh, about uh, Dark Side getting his ass kicked, and it's sort of against the nature of the character. What it feels like a lot of times with DC, especially characters like Batman, the way that they've sort of portrayed Batman and the, and Superman in general, right? Superman at the end of Man of Steel, he kills Zod, which is still this in, this gigantic. Yeah, there's everybody just rolled their eyes collectively. It's still a very controversial take of the character overall. Do you think that one of the bigger problems with the DC universe comparatively to Marvel is that they just don't understand the characters the way that the Marvel writers do? Or do you think it's just for shock value? And I kind of want everybody opinion on this so brad why don't we start with you and then we'll go to jeff and then greg i i think it's probably a little bit of both because i do feel like one of the biggest challenges in making these movies is you know they want to make the characters um you know relatable in a way or they want to make it like trying to to translate the comic book version onto the tv version i understand there may have to be very different ways going about doing it But at the same time, Marvel has shown that you can do that in a successful way. So I I do think it's it's both sides of the story where maybe they just don't fully understand how the DC characters, you know, were meant to be, you know, when they were first developed and how they progressed through the years. Jeff, you had you had you had an immediate reaction to that as well. What uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, so I mean, first things first, it's really hard to compare mm-hmm. Marvel versus sure, DC, or yeah. Marvel and DC because they're two completely separate, not only movie entities, but just mm-hmm. comic book Absolutely. entities. Yeah. Uh, DC's always been a little bit more grounded in their characters and character development, whereas Marvel's been a lot of pop and flash and adventure and a little bit of realism with Stan Lee's writing. All of that being said, I do think that the biggest advantage that Marvel has is they have a Kevin Feige character. They have somebody that is heading this entire division, whereas DC does right. not. Yeah. Uh, they entrusted it to Zack Snyder. Unfortunately, we could argue whether that was the right choice or not. I believe that he has a fundamental misunderstanding with both Batman and Superman. Uh, I think that he is overly obsessed with this idea for dark and gritty and this just kind of very nihilistic way of looking at this universe sure. that doesn't always translate, mm-hmm. especially for somebody like Superman. That, yeah. I'm going to const- constantly bring up that one, Superman is not a Christ parable. Oh, yeah, there's a good. Yeah, we can talk about that, too. Why don't we dive into that? You know, that good. Now, now bringing it back sort of to sort of sidebar on this as well. Uh, as far as Snyder sort of missing the mark with the idea that Superman is the Christ parable. Do you think he's just too far? Obs- I don't want to say obsessed, but he's stuck on this idea that like the only way to make uh, a DC universe is to completely dive into the mold of what Nolan did with those three movies, because in reality, I feel like the Nolan films kind of stand by themselves as an anomaly. 
anomaly, right? Like they're just, they're the, to me anyway, to my, my humble opinion, I feel like they're the best representation that I have seen of Batman throughout an entire series of movies. I could be wrong, but that's my, that's how I took you it. You are, but that's okay. Okay, that's fine. And we'll go over that another day. I know you think Batman and Robin is, and that's okay, but I, uh, no, 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 that's Ruth. <laughs> That's Ruth. <laughs> but I think I she could she could shit on me for watching this twice. I could shit on her for liking. Think, uh, how could anyone first? Li- okay, hokey. let's shut it. Down. Could, let's shut the fuck down. How could anyone think that that's a good movie? Okay, let's go back. All right. So, it, so do you think that he just is stuck on the idea of this Nolan esque uh, fantasy world that is the only way to make a successful Batman or even a DC kind of creative universe? problem is that Nolan isn't necessarily based in fantasy. Nolan is based Nolan is based in realism, which is why the Dark Knight trilogy resonated so well and kind of really revitalized Batman. Realism works with a character with no superpowers. Granted, I don't think that Nolan's Dark Knight was the best inter- interpretation of Batman because I'm a big comics Batman fan. Ben Affleck does an okay job. He gets a little bit closer. Uh, we're never going to beat Kevin Conroy. That's just the the top echelon. He embodies batman with well, the let's animated just say, series let's say let's say but, live action but let's say live action but the problem is that it doesn't translate with a character like superman they're so diametrically opposed which is there's a reason in the comics that they're constantly bickering over the methods in which they enforce justice superman's the boy scout batman's the rogue they're, they right. they have the same mm-hmm. intentions, but they go about things in a completely different way. The problem of trying to bring realism and make Superman gritty is you lose a lot of it. This movie did retcon it a little bit. They had a better interpretation of Superman by Justice League than they did in Man of Steel. It still misses the mark on some of the things that they were trying to build in Man of Steel. And I know that you haven't gotten to the end, but spoilers, Adam, when they finally do bring back Superman from the grave and he shows up. And the whole reason that they do it was actually very well structured of they mm-hmm. cannot beat they cannot physically beat Steppenwolf. There's a reason that he didn't invade for these mother boxes until the Kryptonium was dead. They need Superman. I see. Okay, so it ties the entire storyline together. That's fascinating. Now, Greg, I I know it's kind of tying and and to bringing characters back and, and kind of taking a step back a little bit here. The Joker makes an appearance in the movie. Yeah. How are we all feeling about Jared Leto's interpretation of of the Joker? <sighs> Greg, let's start with you because I know it, it's <laughs> unique. Yeah, it's unique. That's I guess I'm, I'm going to lead off with that. It's unique. Um, I think it's. Um, Give me one word. One it's word. interesting. Interesting. It's interesting. I would like to see a little more. I'm afraid to say that. that I, yeah. This is a safe space. I like space. I mean, I don't hate it. I think um, uh, as far as ranking the Jokers, he's probably nearest the bottom. Yeah, but at the same time, it's a very interesting take on it. Brad, what do you think? Um, I don't know. Yeah. How was his portrayal overall in the scene? I know it's a very small segment of the movie, but how Mm -hmm. like so where my head is gone is like because I looked at that, like I understood why he put that scene in there, but it was almost like in in my opinion, it was like, was this really necessary? It, It felt like it was just at this point, it was like. You know, I understand if, where they're going with the nightmare and all that, but it was like, do they really needed to put this in there? And then right. his portrayal as the Joker, um, you know, it's like <laughs> anything less than Joaquin Phoenix. I'm like, you all suck. <laughs> so, uh, My man. <laughs> uh, so, but that's, you know, I mean, but <clears throat> I don't know. I, I wasn't, was it better than, Suicide Squad, I do agree. But right, anything um, is better. I could. It was a more palatable yeah. dose of that Joker. Like, yeah, like, yeah we way, good, good. Bob Barker farting on a snare drum is better than the Suicide Squad. Let's just <laughs> I throw farting on those snare drum. That's fucking terrible movie. Uh, Greg, you had one more thing to you had one more thing to say, what, and then I want to move on to Brad, the next topic. What Brad just said uh, is that oh, we're, scene. We're just gonna skip my thoughts on the Joker. I've been skipped. <laughs> Don't worry about back. it. We're coming back. Jeffrey. <laughs> Brad said, do we need that scene in the movie? And I think we do because uh, Barry said at one point, uh, there's a rule that I can't break or whatever, and that is to go faster than the speed of light. And he breaks that rule. So it's not a dream sequence. I think it's literally an alternate reality that Barry created when he went back in time. He broke his own rule knowing that 
it could create an alternate reality. And that's exactly what he did. We didn't see a dream sequence. I think we saw a future that does happen at some point. It's a yes and no for that, honestly, because it could open up for different storylines, basically. Oh, that's a fascinating take, though. I appreciate that take because it's it's very possible. Jeff, what, what, what were you thinking about about Jared Leto in this movie? Uh, so I'll start that it's serviceable. Um, it's fine. I do think that the importance of, especially for this most likely never going to be seen again, opportunity of Batfleck actually interacting with the Joker that in order to service the fans, you got to give us something just Mm -hmm. a little bit, but it's actually a really interesting conversation, which I'll dive into a little bit more. Uh, but getting back to the movie, there's a sequence right when they're about to bring back uh, Superman that Mm -hmm. Cyborg has this flashback. Uh, Diana is dead. Aquaman gets stabbed. You see the turning of Superman. This is the future that is opened up because they are bringing Superman back. This it, the nightmare is the future that you're going to see in the DCEU. That is where it is going to eventually end up because they have brought Superman back. And it right, has kicked right. off a chain yep. of events and it goes back to as much as I hate this movie, but it does have a little bit of importance of Lois Lane's dead. We know this yep. in Justice League and Barry Allen needs to go back to warn Bruce that Lois is the key that apparently at some point, which it's led to believe. And I know a lot of extensive notes of like what the sequels would it be that Batman is responsible for the death of Lois Lane, which is why Superman turns and is influenced by dark side. Eventually Batman created this world because he didn't protect Lois. I see. And that possible unborn child of Superman, because there's mm-hmm. that scene with the, uh, the pregnancy, pregnancy test. test. Yeah. But, um, the interaction that you get between Batman and the Joker is really interesting to me, especially as a Batman fan, because it's the, it's the Joker talking to Batman about Batman. It is the Joker calling Batman out on exactly what he is. He's calling him a coward. It's really interesting and having him dissect all of this and a really interesting moment of something. I didn't realize how much I need of Batman dropping a fuck in dialogue. Yeah. One of the most interesting pieces of dot i'm like oh. i didn't really necessarily need this but now that it happened i kind of never want good. batman to not curse <laughs> felt good now i want it yeah i want yeah, the time yeah just that like you know interaction of like you know when harley quinn was dying in my arms yeah she made, you know she made me promise <laughs> believe me i will that, fucking that, kill you that i'll kill you and believe me i fucking will wow. i'll take my time well. i was just like okay this is really interesting it was it was an interesting dynamic to see, but to be able to finally get that and that that tension that you get from this, you, you know that these are two mortal enemies that are pitted together because of this nightmare world that they need to work together. And he wants nothing to do with the Joker. It's palpable. It's it's decent. It's not the best storytelling, but as a fan, I'm like, yeah, um, cool. But again, Jared Leto his performance is fine in the same way of, you know, it's, it's not, it's a cameo at this point. It's it was only two minutes. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. But I will go on the record of in the same way that I feel about Batman and Robin, which again, terrible movie as terrible as suicide squad is. I will watch it because it's, If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. entertaining as fuck to laugh at now you, you had mentioned something uh a minute ago to kind of go back to it. you were talking a little bit about fan service and, and the, the appearance of the joker uh there's been some backlash about the snyder cut respectively they've been talking about some of the topics that we've discussed on some other episodes which you can find in the archives on our skywalk or uh, rise of skywalker review uh they called this entire movement some people have called this movement toxic for harassing threatening and cyberbullying. uh in the same vein that what happened to kelly marie tran after the last jedi do you think this movie 
deserves that level of criticism from people uh, and the way that the fans reacted? And do you think this is this is a film that came about because of the need for fan service? And Greg, I want to start with you on that. What what do you feel about that kind of criticism? Do you think it's deserved or do you think this is more really just about the fact they're just trying to fix something that was that was just fundamentally broken? Toxic fans being toxic and then serving them is only going to breed more toxic fans. Right. Uh, so if that's what they're doing here, uh, wrong move. Bad. Right. Don't do and that. I, but if talk, it's because yeah. you had a shit movie and you want to fix it, yeah, I think that that's, that's probably a much better option to do, is you saw something that was just complete fucked up, uh, you released it without really thinking about it, and looking at it, and understanding it, and knowing how to handle it, and... You, you just drop drop the goddamn ball. <laughs> and I, I, I hope people can just like own up to that fact. And I feel like that's a lot of the same criticism I have in some regards about the rise of Skywalker, which that, that was just it was just an overabundance of the fan service. Brad, what, what I know you you have a little bit of a different take when it comes to fan service on, on things. We talked about the rise of Skywalker. What, what do you think about that? That topic? Well, I you know, it's <clears throat> there is the because it's like when you look at your fans, it's like you do have to, in some respect, give them what they want and deserve. So I can understand, you know, doing it for the fans. But like Greg said, like, if there's toxic fans, like, that's just, like, I understand when you put anything out in the public, it is always subject to extreme criticism. But when you're getting to the points of, like, death threats and this and that, like, yo, chill out. Like and at the end of the, at the end of the day, or, yeah. at the end of the day, it's a movie. Like right. at the end of the day, it's there for entertainment. And you're always gonna have people that love it. You're always gonna have people that hate it. You're always gonna have people that just don't care. But if you can really focus on, and what I'm hoping is out of this, they you're are focusing on the fans that do love this and do support this and do it for them. But also, like Greg said, fixing a mess up. You know, then absolutely. But you know, it's it's. I hate how a lot of fans these days just take it way too far. And it's like that. It's, yeah. you know, it's like chill. at the end of the day, it's entertainment. It's, it's, a it's movie. not a slight against you, man. Like, yeah, it was for it's, everybody. I, you didn't I like just, it. Okay. I just can't understand. I can't jive with that. Right. Like even in, in pro wrestling, when I watch some things or even like, you know, with, with you, I see some stuff about, you know, uh, Dan from Imagine Dragons and, and yeah. music that's put out about Imagine Dragons. And it's like, guys, at the end of the day, like, of course, not everybody's going to like this music. Not everybody's going to like, you know, this professional wrestler, whatever it is. But like, why are people so violently uh, yeah. aggressive about their responses to these things as if they have some sort of vested interest in it? I get that you're a fan of it, but like. It just seems very counterproductive in the in the long term, Jeff. Am I am I on point with that? What what, what do you what are your what's your take on it? All right, so it's interesting when we're talking about the Snyder Cut because of the circumstances that we got to him having to leave a project due to a family tragedy. It's a very interesting point that he gets to come back and finish something that he went to. I'm glad that he did. I really am. However, I find it incredibly dangerous that the way in which it came about because there is a very toxic mm -hmm. fan base for the the Snyder faithful it is very toxic in the same way that it is very toxic with a lot of Star Wars fans yep. me I'm right, a comic right. I'm a comic book fan I love DC I went to go see the theatrical cut and I wanted to see this because I wanted to see okay we're actually getting the Snyder cut I need to know what what the fuck this is all that being said you are right that at the end of the day, you do need to please your fans. Otherwise, they're not going to buy the product. But it's still a vocal minority that wanted the Snyder Cut, that pushed right. the Snyder Cut. It was not every single DC fan. It was, you yeah. know, it was it was around a hundred thousand signatures on that dot. You know, that change.org. That's nothing. That's a drop in the bucket. That's yeah, true. That's absolutely nothing. It sets a very dangerous precedent to bully your way into getting what you want. And I think it's interesting because this is a director's vision. So he got it. All right. Well, what if those same minority fans of Star Wars are going to continually pressure Ryan Johnson into redoing The Last Jedi? Because that was so controversial. That was such a mixed, mixed reception. 
You well, can't that's a, have it. That's you a good question. You can't that's have a good it both question. ways. Can, can they do that? Can they open up the door and say, yeah, we're going to redo Ryan Johnson's The Last Jedi or to go back even farther, we're going to redo, you know, Attack of the Clones because Anakin Skywalker talking about sand and this fucking asshole is the most annoying thing in the entire world. <laughs> where does it where does the retconning stop? You know, and I and I it, it, it becomes how much fan service is to one of the things that I heard that drove me nuts and to kind of tie it back to Rise of Skywalker or uh, even The Last Jedi was this idea that Admiral Akbar was killed in the movie and he got no, you know, fanfare. He just died in the set. This guy is a, it's a meme character. It's a character that you only remember now because of the meme online that you see. He has he. he there's basically no importance to the overall narrative of the story, except for saying oh, bullshit on that. Admiral well, Akbar is incredibly important, especially if you go back into the Clone Wars, not to mention the fact that an entire battle for Endor and the second Death Star would have been completely okay. decimated okay. Well, without say, Admiral let's Akbar. Say, let's say all that. Let's 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 admit that all that is true. OK, it's not as impactful as a character death as a Princess Leia or as a Han Solo. I, as a fan, was not like gasping at the screen when Admiral Akbar was blown out of the sky, right? Like, that's just not yeah. the way it works. And everyone's like, oh my God, Akbar's dead in this setting. It's like, okay. And he's also an admiral in the fucking, the, you know, like, it's it just, I don't know. I just, I didn't, I didn't Adam, get this. Is this Adam, this is the well, same fan base that has an obsession with a bounty hunter with right. two fucking words and has has a cool suit but goes yeah. out like a bitch in jedi i just have a hard i just i guess my my entire gripe with this whole thing is how far is too far and do you get to a point where you can actively say we're going to go back and redo you know the attack of the clones or we're going to go back and redo last jedi because no. somebody's got a fucking heart on about it and i i just i i am afraid in in my mind of where that could go there's already i've already seen stuff about people like oh we should redo the prequels now well why why would we go back and redo something that's already done? And I, I think I perhaps maybe this is a bit of a unique situation. How much of the coronavirus and the pandemic do you think had had to do with the fact that this came about? You know, because you're hearing a lot of diff these different uh, programs and different television shows getting rebooted and things like that. Like and a lot of it has to do with people discovering again on, during covid. Do you think that the, the pandemic in general had to gave this a little bit more push or do you think this was just eventually going to happen, whether or not everybody was stuck inside for six months? The fact that we had a streaming service for HBO is really what gave it legs. Yeah. Just just to be very like it, the coronavirus, as much as I would love to be able to give some sort of whether it's credit <laughs> or like even more shit is that honestly, it was it was. It was an opportunity for it to happen. And you're right. It is a very unique instance, but I think it sets a dangerous precedent of yeah. individuals are going to look at this, not compared to the fact that this is an opportunity for an artist to finish their vision that was granted to them compared to we got our way. Now let's push it further. And any other fandoms being able to get their way and what this means for cinema Period. I mean, think of all these directors that are now going to use some sort of precedent of the Snyder cut. And even before that, the, the Donner cut of Superman, too. Of, oh, yeah. It, I forgot it, about it, that. It creates a lot of interesting <laughs> talk about what it's going to mean for cinema of. All right. Well, now, if a director has a financial flop, are they going to claim, well, my artistic vision was impeded by the studio and I demand I demand my own cut of the movie. Interesting. I hope not. Greg, what do you think? Depends on the caliber of the director. I know some people think Zack Snyder is not the best director, but uh, Jeff would be producers, producers uh, seem to think otherwise because they make he makes them a lot of money. So it depends on the production studio's opinion of the director. If they're a new director and their artistic vision was in, infringed upon, they're going to say, go kick rocks. Like, no, get out of right. here. But right. if, you know... Uh, Del Toro said, "Like my artistic vision was infringed upon." People are gonna be like, "All right, let's explore that." I guess. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, but at the same time, what if what if Matt Reeves, who is not an unknown director but a relatively up and coming person, I think it, it sets a really interesting precedent of 
you know what? At the end of the day, in order for new blood to come in, you do need to be able to prove yourself and you do need to be able right. to back it with money for these studios mm-hmm. to have faith in you. Zack, yeah, Snyder, ha- Zack Snyder has made money. Guillermo del Toro has made money. I think it's a very different position if you're Zack Snyder, if you're Guillermo del Toro, if you're Steven Spielberg, if you're Martin Scorsese, to be able to kind of have your way a little bit more. Yeah. Realistic- realistically, at the end of the day, I look at this as it sets an interesting precedent, but the reason it happened is you had a streaming service. They it, this is a movie that underperformed a new streaming service. They had this opportunity. They talked to Zack Snyder and said, listen, we know that you went through all this. Do you want to see this project through? We'll give you X amount of money that already goes to this. And this is for the studio, just a way to get subscriptions, to pick up even more money. And the same reason that you saw Disney shovel out all this stuff with the Ahsoka Tano show, with the Mandalorian, with all this, it's a way for them to be able to gain more money. They already set a significant amount of money into this project. So there really wasn't that much to lose. They already basically kind of broke even, but it was still a loss. An extra $70 million to finish a four hour long cut. And then, you know what? It's what, $14 a month? Okay, so if everybody for the month of March gets HBO Max, let's say it's a million people, a million subscribers, just you're still going to make you're going to make you're going to you're going to make bank at, yeah. you're going to make bank at 15 yeah. uh, 15 bucks per person that's paying for that and at least you 20 mean, people will keep it for other shows that they've right. been hooked on for yeah. that month you're still going to you're still going to you're still going to get that ROI back from people sticking around to watch the programming and 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 get their yeah. fill out of it so I, I again i i absolutely agree that this was a, a great business decision uh, and I'm curious to see more uh, of what comes from this. Let's do a couple of final thoughts. Let's go around the table here. Brad, we'll start with you. What are your uh, what are your final thoughts about the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League? Um, I like I said from the beginning, I, I thought it was great. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and that what I really appreciated about it was the, you know, the, like the character that the, they how the characters developed and they felt like they had more depth. Like I still think when the flash is first introduced, like that was my favorite scene of the entire movie. So, you know, and having like where in the previous, you know, it it didn't nearly get into that much of, um, I'm trying to say like grit for that character, you know, cyborg as well. So I had a great experience with the movie. Um, and you know, those four hours, I had a lot of fun, a lot of entertainment watching it. Uh, Jeff, what about you? Uh, do you need to rush out to go and see it? No, you don't. Uh, however, that being said, you got to watch it before like the end of the month because it's a limited release. It will disappear. It's not going to permanently live on HBO. It'll be bad. Like, but, uh, at the same time, yeah, you know what? I think it makes an interesting precedent for what things are to come, what this means for the future of the DCEU, I think is going to be treading in some interesting and dangerous territory. I think that Zack Snyder being able to finish whatever vision that he had, I'm, I'm happy for him. I don't necessarily right. agree with everything that he does. Uh, it is a much better movie. But at the same time, it's just serviceable. There are some parts that are really fucking cool for this uh, comic book fan in me. Granny Goodness showing up. Dark Side was awesome. I will say that the theatrical cut of Justice League done ray fisher wrong he's a much more realized character he is so fucking good in this i would say for ray fisher's sake you should watch the movie he's phenomenal in it it's a much better batman it's not a jokey batman it's much serious they kind of get superman right i really wish they would have done more with uh, i really wish they would have done more with uh his black suit as opposed to it's black it's cool no you have the solar suit from the return of superman this is important comic book shit give me that if you really want me to be into this Zack snyder don't just give me flash okay you gave me granny goodness i'll give you that so thank you for that but overall (laughs) i think that it's fine it's a fine movie for me i need more than fine greg i'm gonna rattle off some random shit that i saw that i kind of didn't like some i did like you'll hear as i read them one uh i forget if this was done in the theatrical version but when you first see aquaman in that first part with him his pants are unbuttoned the whole the entire time oh god top button is undone the entire time it's awkward for a little bit but then i'm just like hmm uh, let's see. Uh, oh, when the uh, 
when the flame is burning for however long. Yeah, and then uh, Wonder Woman just like makes a makeshift torch and she dunks a, a a piece of wood with cloth in an open bucket of gasoline. I'm sorry. Wasn't there just a fire there? Do they not have firefighters in Greece like just removing this shit from open flames? Uh, it's just weird. Uh, the speed force, is that somehow tapped into the unity force? Uh, because the unity had the power to... I know I know you're going to answer this, Jeff, but... I do end. have an answer for this. So I, you're going to answer me off air. But so does the speed force play into the unity force because the unity force has the power to uh, uh, create a house out of smoke, but the flash was created able to use the speed force to recreate fucking everything. Uh, let's see. I, and finally, I think the parts were a lot better than just a bunch of separate movies. Uh, I think the short stories that kind of tied all together really helped the flow. You didn't have to remember every little single detail of uh, six different movies to get this great Deumont at the end and this awesome fight sequence. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's very much worth uh, subscribing to HBO Max. We're not sponsored by HBO Max, but I we are I not would. now. Yeah, we're sponsored no. by Ham Hams. <laughs> Hams. Crack open some, crack open some goodness in your life. The well, unofficial sponsor, please sponsor us Hams beer. And uh, we would love to know your feedback on this as well. Go ahead and hit us up on Instagram at it's Instagram at or Instagram dot com slash. Uh, foundation underscore radio or you can find us on facebook at facebook.com slash foundation radio pod let us know your thoughts we would love to hear them uh brad feinberg thank you so much for joining us i really also would love all of you to go and try brad's amazing products over at ai wellness i am telling you from personal experience this shit changed my workouts completely the stage one and stage two i swear by them every single morning brad i tell you that i literally told you that i felt like i was electric when i first took that pre-workout stage one so go ahead it's on amazon right now too you go ahead and go take it check it out you will not be disappointed i promise brad thank you so much for joining us man i really appreciate thanks it thanks for having me guys appreciate it and Good to see you brad Fellas, yep, too, I, as always, I appreciate it. Uh, stick around over the next couple of weeks. we got some uh, great interviews coming up. Uh, later on this week, I'm going to be airing my interview with uh, drawer and skateboard artist Henry Jones. We also got a lot of great shows coming down the pipeline. So for Greg Mead and Jeff Quinn, uh, this is Adam Bernard. This is also day 328 that Joe Keen has not appeared on an episode of Foundation Radio. So if you know where Joe <laughs> is, make sure you tweet at us and go ahead and follow him on Instagram as well so you can let him know we want him back on the show. Uh, we'll see you again next week. Peace. And if our fans want, you know, an extended version of this, make sure hashtag <laughs> release the Quinn cut of the oh review. That's the name of the episode is the Snyder cut, the Quinn cut. That's it. That's a four hour episode. Of no, this no, show. no. The Quinn cut has to be at least four hours. This, this is the theatrical cut. We can revisit this it's after just a while. Be, and just have it's just four gonna hours be of me rambling. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> what? Foundation Radio is hosted, recorded, and executive produced by Adam Barnard. The show is also produced by Sam Kreps. Special thanks to Greg Mead, Joe Keen, Jeff Quinn, and Dr. Ruth Almy. Our intro and outro music is produced by Dumb Ugly. Find this episode and our full archive at foundationradio.net. Follow us on Instagram at foundation underscore radio. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your favorite podcasts. This has been a Foundation Radio production. Butts Carlton, proprietor. Butts Carlton, proprietor.